0: Listening to the Jets Nation podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. A lot to get you on the show today. We're gonna to be talking about the NHL coaching carousel, what's going on with Christian Veselainen, Patrick Line, and Kyle Connor and their chemistry, and can Winnipeg support a WHL team along with what they already have? All of that and more on today's show. So starting things off, the coaching carousel, we've seen four firings already here in the NHL season, and we're not very far in. We're about a quarter of the way through, uh, kind of getting ready for American Thanksgiving. Mike Yo has been let go in St. Louis, Todd McClellan in Edmonton, Joel Quenville in Chicago, and John Stevens in L.A. Any surprising ones to you or just kind of your thoughts on seeing those four firings?
1: Well, well, a few things are surprising to me. Obviously, uh, Joel Quenville is an interesting case uh, just with his history in Chicago, winning multiple Stanley Cups, essentially leading the dynasty for the last number of seasons. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of, of the Boston uh, letting their coach go a few years ago. Same sort of thing. Boston had that, that wonderful run. And now LA, actually, all those teams that have won those Stanley Cups from years ago, all those coaches that have led them to those victories uh, over and over and over, they have to get fired at some point, essentially. Uh, so I don't know if it's whether the the what Joel Quenville was saying was getting old, whatever wasn't working. I think the players were getting old. Well, exactly. So can you can you put that on the coach? Well, maybe not. But regardless, I think sometimes you just need a, a breath of fresh air uh, for a team to kind of. Um, sit up take notice and, and maybe change some things for the organization
0: right now the Blackhawks are two five and three in their last 10 games and so that kind of makes sense why they're looking for a change the Oilers four and six in their last 10 right now out of the playoff picture with 21 points Trying to claw up, get into the third spot in the Pacific. Because when you look at the standings right now, the top teams are clearly in the Central Division. If the playoffs were to start today, five teams would make it from the Central Division and only three from the Pacific. And the Chicago Blackhawks, who are actually outside of the playoff picture right now, sixth in the Central, they have 21 points. If they were to cross over, they'd be one point out of a playoff spot, one point out of uh, third in the Pacific.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting you bring that up because some of these teams, they aren't doing too bad. And yes, it's early in the season, so every team's fairly close in the standings. That's the way it works. Well, the
0: LA Kings are right now last in the Pacific Division, and so that makes sense why they fired. But 7-12-1 definitely doesn't seem like that's irreplaceable not fixable
1: no exactly but but the thing is uh tsn had a story coming out uh, talking about the parody in the nhl going on and maybe that being some of the reason uh in today's nhl if you get behind it's so hard to catch up it's so hard to catch other teams uh, especially with the extra point in overtime or shootout losses uh that sort of system so if you get behind early on it's so difficult to catch up and with the, the parody across the league You can't give up any sort of ground early in the season, at the end of the season. You have to be performing every night continually if you want to make the playoffs, just given the state of the NHL.
0: Now, as much as there is a lot of people who are probably listening to the show who aren't fans of Paul Maurice and fans of his coaching ability... The fact that the Jets are winning and that they've been in a playoff spot and then they've done well for now a couple of years. His job, I think, is pretty secure right now at this point of the season, especially with the way they've been playing so far out of the gate. Uh, Obviously, uh, wanting to pick up and continue to play better. And I think they have been playing pretty better or uh, playing better over their last few games. I don't think that uh, his job is in danger. And I'm kind of glad as a Jets fan right now to not have to worry about that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely nice seeing these other teams in turmoil. Um, A team like Ottawa, even with their coach and stuff in place, is in turmoil. There's all these teams that we've been talking about over the last several weeks that just don't really know what's going on or or have turmoil in the organization, whether it be from ownership, management, coaching, players, whatever the case is. The Winnipeg Jets seemingly have none of that.
0: And it gives you a lot more topics to talk about when you're uh, hosting a podcast like the Chess Nation podcast. I remember when the Jets were terrible before last year when they made the playoffs. There were so many different things we were talking about. Should there be a coaching change? How should they be adjusting the lineup? Right now, we don't really talk as much about bringing in pieces or adding pieces because the Jets' lineup is pretty solid. They've got a cup contender right now with the lineup that they have. So. There's not as many things that you can talk about in a podcast when it comes to adding players, and you, generally, when you're talking about adding, it's very minor, because you don't need the massive shake-up, because you are winning. It's just small tweaks. It really changes, it was just struck me how we've been complaining a lot less. And so I guess now I'm kind of complaining about not being able to complain, because the Jets are winning, but just kind of an interesting thought, and it's kind of nice. I remember uh, looking years back at the Edmonton Oilers about how terrible they were, and it's kind of funny now that you still can talk about it. It's... Crazy to think they've got the best player in hockey. Not many people are going to argue Conor McDavid the best player in hockey, and yet they can't figure it out. They made the playoffs with him once. He's the best player in hockey. Well, I find
1: this really interesting because there's only so much the players can do, but there's also only so much the management can do and there's only so much the coach can do, and all these pieces have to work together. Uh, so if you blame it on Peter Chiarelli, like many Oilers fans are, for the past number of seasons, for the just horrendous asset management, uh, trading away some star players, things like that, you, you all Taylor know the, Hall
0: for Adam Larson, right? Everybody knows brutal. the deals,
1: right? So it all looks bad in hindsight, and I get that. They uh, looked bad at the time. Yes, it, it's true. But regardless, so you have your GM making decisions. In my opinion, you need to have a GM for a considerable amount of time for him to make an impact. Kind of like Kevin shovel day off. Exactly. So if you look at say Nashville, they've had a one GM in their history of existence, right? For, Mm -hmm. for over 20 years now. So I think you need to have some continuity from the management side of things. You can't just be changing general managers year after year. You don't have a vision then. So you need to have some sort of vision from there. It has to go down to the coach And and then the players, but I think it starts with that general manager level. See, now the problem is, in my opinion, you need that vision for multiple years, right? So you got to at least put your trust in maybe four or five years to really see something pay off for a general manager to to maybe work his magic, so, so to speak. In that regard, if you trust a guy for five years and he mismanages it, like you could argue Peter Shirelli has... It just spirals out of control so fast. So if you say fire the general manager, hire a new one, well, I get that. But now you have to commit to this new guy for probably another three, four or five years for him to make any headway. So, so not only have you um, not made up ground, but you're actually losing the ground if you were to, to switch general managers. So that's why it's such a tough thing to maybe get out of this hole because it, once you have the, the one decision leading to more bad decisions and then you don't have continuity with the head coaches because they think that's the problem. You bring in a bunch of head coaches, you bring in a bunch of different goaltenders and then there's, it just snowballs from there.
0: And that's why sometimes you do see a, just a complete clean house. And I think Toronto literally did it the best. When they did that rebuild, that was probably one of the best rebuilds I've seen. They got Brendan Shanahan in to take over hockey operations, basically fired a lot of people. They got in the coach they wanted, the GM they wanted, the scouts, everything, and they just completely overhauled the everything. They went into a complete full-on rebuild, and of course they got lucky with Austin Matthews, and they had some good successful draft picks. But again, we're getting really far away from the Winnipeg Jets right now, and we don't need to necessarily get into all of this. I just wanted to kind of laugh at the Edmonton Oilers a little bit in there lack of success despite...
1: And I think also, is is Paul Maurice safe? And I think we both agree that he is firmly safe as the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. You you could have argued maybe a year ago, um, he was getting fairly close to the chopping block. We had actually talked about that before, that a season ago, maybe two seasons ago, when they maybe failed more than they should have. Would Paul Maurice leave? I think nobody's really questioning that now, uh, that decision by ownership to renew the contracts for Dayoff and Maurice just putting their trust in them. And so far they haven't mismanaged it like you've seen with some of these other teams.
0: Right, and some people would argue that they have and they're not doing as best job as they can. I would say it's hard to argue with success in the fact that overall what they are doing is winning and the Jets are in a position for continued success I think every coach, though, does have his shelf life kind of like what we talked about in that if the Jets can't win the cup, in, and I'm not sure what number you put it on, but if the Jets keep getting there, can't quite get over that hump, maybe you then need need to make a coaching change. I don't think we want to fire Maurice to hire Joel Quenville, and I've, I think I've heard some people talking about that, do you quickly fire your coach now and then hire Joel Quenville at the end of the season or whenever you can get him? I don't think the Jets want to do that right now. Uh, stick with what you've got. Maybe some other teams kind of middle of the pack might try that or might think about doing that if they can get some kind of agreement worked out, but not what we want to discuss today. Next up, take a look at Christian Veselainen. So the next segment we want to get into is kind of speaking of management, Christian Veselainen. It's kind of an interesting, kind of strange how he's been managed.
1: Yeah, there are many layers to this. We're going to try to work through them as best we can with the knowledge that we have. Which is limited. Which is very limited. Uh, it seems seems that nobody right now has the correct knowledge of what actually is going on, what the contract details are, uh, conflicting reports from from some news outlets. Um, regardless, if you want, it, want to read about it, you can go to jetsnation.ca. Uh, Art had a great uh, article about Vesselinen just talking about the whole situation. And as best as we know, we're going to go into it a little bit
0: as well, uh, just what is going on. So from what I see is that Christian Vesselinen had a clause in his contract that if he wasn't with the Winnipeg Jets after November 17th, he could go back to Finland or go back to Europe. His rights are now held in the KJHL, or KHL. that's a league in northern Manitoba. No, in the KHL, uh, his rights are held there right now, which a lot of people consider the second best league in the world, and... But what the Winnipeg Jets did was they sent him down to the Moose. He played there for a few games. When the November 17th deadline was coming up, they recalled him to the NHL. November 17th passed, and then they sent him back down to the Moose.
1: So we're going to back up a little bit because you, you say the November 17th deadline. I've also heard reports that November 17th was the deadline that he could only decide to leave after November 17th, that it wasn't before November 17th he had to make that decision. He could only make the decision after November 17th. I've heard that report as well. So the only things we actually know for sure is that Veselainen has a clause in his contract that he can go back to Finland for this year. That would have been going back to Liga in Finland, but his rights got bought by Jokerit. Of the KHL, they are the only Finnish team in the KHL playing out of Finland. So Veselainen could go back to Finland, but play in the KHL. So that's why we're talking about the KHL and not the Liga, where he played last year. So his rights got purchased there. Smart move by Jokerit, kind of realizing the situation that, hey, we could get this guy if he decides to come back uh, to Europe. So the only things we really know is that he has an option to go back if he's not playing in the NHL. Right now, he's not playing in the NHL. So the whole November 17th thing, if it was the, he had to make a decision before November 17th, that's why the Winnipeg Jets seemingly called him up because once he's at the NHL level, he cannot decide to go back to Europe. He has to stay with the Winnipeg Jets. The November 17th deadline passed. We potentially find out this November 17th deadline was the opposite that he could only decide after November 17th, he gets sent back down. And now there is no news as of right now what is going on with him.
0: Yeah, there's speculation that it looks like he is going to go back. But then some people are saying, oh, it's better for him if he stays here. Is he just weighing his options right now, playing for the Moose? When you look at as far as call-ups go, is he the next call-up for the Winnipeg Jets? Maybe, probably. But they've got guys right now in the press box who can play. They don't need him. If he goes back to Europe, it's not the end of the world. I don't know what's best for him. I think that's really up to management. And we've kind of talked about that already. I think it's just kind of interesting the way we don't know anything.
1: Yeah. So we don't really know why the Winnipeg Jets called him up only to send him back down a few days later. The only idea would be to maybe skirt around the the way some kind of deadline that he could get around the deadline. Um, So we'll see in the coming days, because if he decides to go back to Europe, regardless calling him up just to send him back down three days later. Seems
0: weird. Seems weird. Um, so, not really sure what is going on with that. It was obviously done for a purpose, and Kevin Dayoff was obviously trying to circumvent something. That's the way it kind of appears from the outside, because why else would you call him up to just practice, basically?
1: Yeah, I- exactly. So, we're going to let you know more next week when some of the details come out. Uh, regardless, I think it doesn't really matter where he goes, whether he plays for the Moose or whether he plays for Jokerit. I don't think, I don't really care because like you said, is he the next guy in the lineup? Well, no, I think Brendan Lemieux the next guy in the lineup because he's in the press box. Uh, if injuries get bad, are there other guys you could call up? Well, Well, sure. Definitely, right? There's Mason Appleton, who was a potential prospect to make the team out of camp, maybe a long shot. Uh, CJ Cease played tremendous during the preseason. He could suit up for a couple of games. I don't think anybody uh, would be um, heartbroken if Cease got in over Veselainen. Because
0: uh, you know it's short-term, it, hopefully.
1: It, exactly. So I think if Veselainen is with a Moose, it's fine. He's going to be developing. If you go back to the KHL, it's still a great league playing against men. He's going to be developing over there as well, uh, just on a slightly larger ice surface.
0: Right. I think what we hoped, I know in some of our podcasts, at the beginning of the year, we kind of hoped that he was going to make the lineup and he was going to have a big impact. Just not quite there.
1: No, and exactly. And you could see that during the games. Um, In the article that I mentioned before in Just Nation, you can read about this as well. Like I said before, um, the best case scenario for Vestalainen is uh, Mikko Rantanen, a very similar type prospect coming over from Finland. Couldn't quite crack the lineup in Colorado. Goes to the AHL. uh, He wins the MVP. He comes back. And now if you look at the, uh, the stats, he's leading the league in assists. He's leading the league in points. Just a phenomenal season for him. Um, after only That would be
0: pretty much best case scenario. He only
1: scored about 38 points last season over almost an entire season. Now this year, he's almost eclipsed that now. So just a a tremendous um, upside from Rantanen. That would be absolute best case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, We don't want to think about worst case scenarios. There's definitely plenty of of those if you wanted to look for them. Um, But regardless, I think his development will be fine no matter what happens to him.
0: So now let's get to some actual hockey talk. We've been kind of talking about coaches and management and we've been talking about player potential. But now let's actually get to what's going on on the ice. Winnipeg Jets picking up six goals against the Vancouver Canucks. Losing in a shootout to Buffalo of all teams. Hey, Buffalo's good. Yeah, surprising a lot of teams. They're not bad.
1: Well, I think they're a third in the division right now. They've won plenty of games, almost similar record to Winnipeg.
0: Buffalo's a good team this year. Buffalo 13-6-2. The Winnipeg Jets are 12-5-2. So yes, the Buffalo Sabres are ahead of the Winnipeg Jets right now on points. Yeah, they're Go not a figure. bad team.
1: Uh, but if you look at the Winnipeg Jets record, it's actually a little bit funny. I believe Winnipeg only has two wins in the last seven games against Buffalo or something like that. Just for whatever reason, the Jets can't seem to, to beat the Bogosian. Sabres. Zach And maybe it is that little bit of a... Extra motivation for Bogosian. Uh, regardless. Uh Evander Kane, obviously moving on. Um we can always talk about that trade like we've done. No, we're not times. gonna get into that today. We are not gonna get into that today. Don't because even want to go there. We don't want to go there. We've talked about it enough on this podcast. <laughs> so regardless, losing in the shootout, uh playing a weird game against Vancouver, um, absolutely dominating them. Not sure if you got to catch that first period. Uh, I know I got you go to, to bed catch pretty none early. Of it. So
0: I have, like nine o'clock start is the worst time of game for me because I'm usually in bed by like 9.30, like tops.
1: Well, if you would have went to bed at 9.30 and watched some of the game, you would have seen about 15 shots at that point by the Winnipeg Jets. I believe they had 23 shots in the first period. Just an absolute shelling um, on Markstrom and net. Um... Only had a couple goal lead turned into a very close game. The Winnipeg Jets pretty much gave up that lead with a few goals in the second third period, uh, but they brought it home in the third period. Patrick Laine getting a hat trick, uh, scoring the empty net goal. Classy play by Kyle Connor. If you were watching the game, stayed up, maybe had a coffee in hand. Uh, Kyle Connor with the steal, essentially had a two on one with Laine. Could have easily shot it into the net himself realizing that Patrick Laine has two goals on the night, passes it over, Laine gets the empty net goal for a hat-trick. Just a nice little kudos to Kyle Connor. Just realizing that play, um, not something that everybody would have done. Some people probably would have just taken the goal themselves.
0: Now, Patrick Laine, how many hat-tricks already is that in his career? That's six. Six. The Winnipeg Jets have had the hardest time getting hat-tricks since coming back to Winnipeg from Atlanta. And now we've already seen six from one guy, Patrick Laine, in the last two and not even a quarter seasons. He's got six hat-tricks, and it took Brian Little, like, how many seasons to finally get one for the team in Winnipeg? But, uh, again, that's a whole nother point. But it looks like Line A scoring at even strength, which is nice to see, hasn't done a lot of that this year. He had, I think, what, one even-strength goal, but is into an empty net?
1: Yeah, so he had actually, yeah, exactly. He had only one into an empty net. Um, If you're looking at pure even strength, five-on-five, Empty net, you could say a six-on-five.
0: Well, if, there's always a goalie, but it's there's always six players each on each team on yes. the ice.
1: But a five-on-five five goal had not been scored by Laine yet this year in 18 games. It was all power play and then an into the empty net as well. So Laine getting his first two um, even-strength goals, five-on-five five goals... Um, both are fairly nice setups. Um, One was a great pass by Little, great little rush by Connor and Little. Uh, One was a nice little kind of dump off by Kyle Connor, a little bit of a turnover. But it's nice to see line scoring at even strength. It's something that the Winnipeg Jets need from him going forward.
0: Hashtag fun with small sample sizes. It's been one game. Yes, he gets a hat trick, which is great to see. But, in, and it's nice because if you look at the last couple of games, he had the four goals in Finland. Uh, since then, uh, now getting a couple of goals uh, here, even strength. Uh, his goal totals are slowly starting to climb again and getting kind of more to those respectable numbers, kind of what we expected from Patrick Line to begin with. But Kyle Connor looking good on that line with Little and, um, yeah, Connor Little and Line. A. And so is this maybe the combination that the Winnipeg Jets have been looking for?
1: Yeah, well, I didn't think it was going to work, to be honest. Kyle Connor being a natural goal scorer, Patrick Laney being a natural goal scorer, and Brian Little not really known for his... Uh, passing ability. I didn't know how it would work together, but Connor's turned into a really good playmaker alongside Laine. Uh, the interesting thing I found, um, courtesy of Mike Kelly, I don't know if you uh, ever, ever heard of him. He actually runs a website. I think it's thepoint.ca now talking about hockey stats. Uh, he's all about the the slot shots and the inner slot, that sort of thing. I love um, the slot shots. Yeah. So anyways, it's talking about who's getting the dangerous chances. Laine at even strength for his first 18 games, only had two shots in the slot. Really? That's it. That's poor. And that's why he hadn't scored. So he gets two shots against Vancouver in the slot and has two goals.
0: Well, he's the kind of guy that, because he's so dangerous with his shot, when you're in the slot, the goaltender really doesn't know where the puck's coming from. Because when you're coming in from the side or when you're coming in off the wing, you're definitely limited to where you can go with the puck, but so much more room and opportunity you can catch the goalie coming across to you if you're in the slot. You can go any which of the four corners. Depth perfect for a shooter.
1: Yeah, so it's just interesting that uh, he he's had a, a tough time getting to that area, getting to the slot. Uh, I feel like he's the type of guy, he's almost over-relying on his shot, just being able to beat the goaltenders from further out. He's not trying to get to those areas, but once he does, he's
0: absolutely lethal. When was the last time you saw Patrick Line drive to the net with the puck?
1: Well, exactly, right? He, he, he's settling and, and he's used to that power play spot and he can do that. He can blast it from there because he gets the time and the space and that's fine. But you can't be doing that at five on five. It just doesn't work like that. You can't be settling for those outside shots with with no traffic or anything. Exactly like you said, he, he doesn't drive towards the net. Uh, Everybody likens him to Alex Ovechkin, but Ovechkin in his younger days was so explosive with his skating. He was
0: smashing guys. He was all over the ice. He could score in, in any way. He could uh, behind his head, falling to the ice. Exactly, but those plays are generated off his speed,
1: off his just tenacity, going towards the net. He would not be denied. Line a doesn't have those same characteristics in the offensive zone, but they do share that similar shot.
0: Right, and so then that's where you see similar goal totals because Line a is getting more with his shot, and Ovechkin now doing it as well more with his shot, especially as he uh, gets a little bit up there in age. Uh, but so now, when you take a look at that combination, though, Kyle Connor, and a lot of people, and we've talked about drivers and diggers and getting after it, a lot of people were wondering, is Kyle Connor just a passenger with Shifley and Wheeler? And we kind of felt that way last season, but I feel the way that he's played this year, and he's kind of stepped up his game moving away from Shifley and Wheeler. We've kind of seen now stronger play from Kyle Connor, and I think that really only helps his case and helps his cause for his next contract.
1: Yeah, Kyle connor has been tremendous this year. Really proven his worth with uh, Little and Line a on the second line there. Uh, he had a four-point night against Vancouver. That's actually a new career high for him. Uh, he had three points a few times last season, but four points new career high. Great game by Kyle connor. Uh, he He's scoring. He's assisting. Uh, if you watch the goal, just Super slick hands on the power play, uh, just putting it up short side. A shot not many guys can make, well, Kyle Connor can. Just a naturally gifted player. And like we said, is he being pulled along by Scheifling Wheeler? Is he only a finisher? Well, no, he's starting to drive the line way better than most people thought. Um, Murat Atash of The Athletic. I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, Great guy on Twitter. Very knowledgeable. Great writer for The Athletic. Um, If you don't have a subscription, you should get one because he has a great article uh, about Kyle Connor driving the play. We are in no way paid by The Athletic. Not at all. I I just like it. Um, But regardless... Just a great article about Kyle Connor being able to drive the play this year, maybe that we haven't seen before.
0: Exactly. And so then when you take a look at that and when you take a look at worth and you take a look at value, where does he rank among the young players for the Winnipeg Jets? So let's rank them right now, just for funsies, because we can and because we have a little bit of time here on the show. If you're going to rank the Winnipeg Jets forwards, just forwards, we're not going to talk about Bufflin and his value. We're not going to talk about Hellebuck. We are looking purely at the rank of the Winnipeg Jets forwards and the young prospects. Where are they in your mind right now as far as just overall value and who you want on your team the most? Because this is going to become a question as we move forward. And when it comes to contracts and fitting everybody in money-wise and getting everybody on, this is going to be – a problem potentially with contract value and worth. Where do you rank them right now?
1: Yeah. So this is interesting. I think number one, I want Patrick Laine on my team. He's, okay. o- he's obviously going to command the most money because of the way he scores. He scores the most. So I'm going to say Laine is number one. Uh, number two, I will go with Kyle Connor. Uh, number three, I'll go with Nikolai Ehlers. I don't know who I'm forgetting. Um, but, Mark Shifley? Well, I don't, I don't consider Mark Shifley young anymore. And he signed to a long-term deal already.
0: Okay, but I'm just talking about even in the sense of who do you want on your team just among the forward group, period. All forward, not so just like, young guys. Yeah, so like, say you have to trade away a guy, which is your priority? Okay, gotcha. so if I'm talking... All forwards. Blake all forward, Wheeler, okay. Blake Wheeler okay. Brian Kay. Little, put everybody in. Because you said young guys at first. I said young guys, but I just wanted to exclude defense and goalies. So let's just okay. go forward all group, forwards, rank I the want, forwards. I want Mark Scheifele, number one.
1: Ditto. And then I want Blake Wheeler, number two. Okay. And then I want Patrick Lyndon number three. Okay. Okay. Those are my top three. Uh, from there, I think it follows fairly similar. I want Kyle Connor on my team. I want Nikolai Ehlers on my team. And then from there, it gets a little bit, what do you value? Because if I want my defense, I want Adam Lowry. Next. Yep. Um, so I would say those are probably my my five. I don't know if I have five or six That's now. six. Lowry makes six. Uh, beyond that, it gets even more, I would probably get rid of any of those guys. Because I think those top
0: six are the most valuable to my club. Um, You're right. I am completely there with you. Anybody after those six is replaceable. You can find another Matthew Perot. It might not be easy. And he does bring some things that are tough to explain. But I think you can replace him. I think you can replace guys like Cop. You can replace Tanev. And you Little. You can replace Little. You can replace... Um, Even Rozovic and Patan. Yes, they both have lots of potential and lots of upside. But out of those top five, and, and Ehlers is kind of on the fringe right now for me, and he's starting to play a little bit better lately. But those five guys, not counting Adam Lowry, but the first top five you guys that you mentioned, I'd put them in very much the similar order. But a lot of people have been talking or been hearing, some people talk about who would you rather have, Connor or Line? A. And it's kind of an interesting. Obviously, I think Scheifele is number one on this team. As the number one center. But Line, he is so hot and cold. I think I still need to see more out of Kyle Connor to prove to me that he is that good before I put him ahead of Line, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I would totally agree. Line is doing things that it just haven't been done before. And people are talking about Connor McDavid scoring his hundredth goal last night. Great for Connor McDavid doing it as I think it's the, the fifth or sixth youngest player ever to score hundred goals. Uh, Lyon is uh, almost two years younger and has 91 goals already. So Lyon is easily going to eclipse that, um, should be very near. I don't know if he'll be first as youngest player ever, but he should be very close to that conversation. He's doing things at an age that we haven't seen before because you got to think Kyle Connor had a little bit more seasoning, played for the Moose, he played for, uh, played in NCAA for Michigan, those sort of things. Lyon was 18 when he came into the league. Lyon is only 20 years old. He is a young, young kid, and most people forget that because he put up 91 goals already in the NHL. So I think you need to have Laine on your team because he can grow so much more when a lot of people think that he's done, we've seen it all from Patrick Laine. I think there's a lot more he can give.
0: Well, I'm sure hoping that there's a lot more. I still want to see more of a complete game from him. And that's why I still value Mark Shifley above him is because of that complete game and because of Blake Wheeler and the way he's played. Yes, Blake Wheeler, his play might drop off in a couple of years when he gets older. But right now for the team, if you're current ranking, uh, I think he's still ahead. And so that's just kind of an interesting discussion uh, looking at that current play as of late. The last conversation we want to get to, can Winnipeg support a WHL team? All right, for the final segment today, we're going to have a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, WHL teams in Manitoba. Now, the Brandon Weekings are the only current WHL team, that's the Western Hockey League, the major junior league uh, in Western Canada. They're the only team in the province right now, but there have been teams in the past that have also been in Manitoba. The Flin Flon Bombers uh, were in Flin Flon from 1967 to 1978. They became the Edmonton Oil Kings. The team now in Flin Flon is in the SJHL Junior A, which is one level down from Major Junior there was a, a WHL team in Winnipeg. They were the Winnipeg Jets, the junior Jets, if you will, from 67 to 73. They became the Winnipeg Clubs from 1973 to 1976, later becoming the Winnipeg Monarchs, 1966-77. They moved to Calgary. Later moved to Lethbridge and are now the current Hurricanes. Then there was a WHL team in Winnipeg, the Warriors, from 1980 to 1984. They then moved to Moose Jaw, becoming the Moose Jaw Warriors. And now we have no current WHL teams in Winnipeg. Growing up, I was a big fan of the WHL. Uh, watched a bunch of games going out to Brandon. We were we lived about an hour, and I know Kyle, you were there with me as well. Uh, growing up. And I was a fan because this is where you saw future NHL stars. Jordan Tutu played for the Brandon Kings. I remember him. And there was a lot of other players that would go on to have success in the NHL. And so there's definitely an appetite and for a market for that. Seeing the stars of the future. But there hasn't been a team since the 80s in Winnipeg. And this, why we're bringing this up is because... I was going
1: to say, thank you for the history
0: lesson. Th- yes, but just this completely means, this off topic. means absolutely nothing until you explain. Rice, right. Here is why we bring this up, and I'm sure a lot of fans have already seen the articles. The Kootenai Ice of the WHL has recently been purchased by a group from Winnipeg, a couple of uh, people buying the team, and there's talk, and the way it's looking, a lot of rumors about bringing them back to Winnipeg, bringing them to Manitoba. So the question is, can Winnipeg and Manitoba support a second WHL team? It's been a while since they've done it.
1: Yeah. So first of all, uh, this is unprecedented. You might think, "Oh, yeah, can't other aren't other places doing the same thing?" Well, no, not exactly. So Winnipeg would become the only city, I believe, in North America to host uh, an NHL team, an AHL team, and a junior or major, a G. major team. junior team. There is no other. Place doing it. If you look across, uh, I've look across the league. Edmonton has uh, Bakersfield is their AHL, but they have a WHL team. Um, I believe Toronto they have the Marlies, obviously, but they don't have an OHL team because it's all the suburbs.
0: Yeah, and so the, the so, suburbs do. It's Toronto's kind of tricky because it's all kind of just one. Right,
1: but but if yeah. you look at all the other places are around Canada, y- you don't see both the NHL, the AHL, and the WHL in the same city. At the same time, it just hasn't really worked for anybody else. It hasn't really been tried a lot. So will it work? That's kind of the question we're posing today.
0: Now, really, then the next question is, which would be on the higher priority list? The Manitoba Moose or let's call them the Winnipeg Ice, just for the sake of argument and just for this conversation here. Who would get more fans, the Moose or the Ice? If they bring them back and I, we don't really have much of a timeline and right now it's all kind of a lot of speculation but a lot of rumors and when you see that many rumors oftentimes there is some truth to this story here
1: yeah so there's a lot of issues here the first of all the group that purchased them is not true North
0: but there is one of the man one of the guys who has purchased them has worked for True North has, and has close ties with them.
1: Right, but it is but you're not, not but it you're is right. not the exact same ownership group. That's I think the, the biggest thing to note. It is not the same ownership group. So would you now have a competing product? Kind of. You would have to. That's the only be. option. Any other hockey at that level especially between the Manitoba Moose because now if I can pay $30 to go to a Moose game, oh, I can pay only $20 to go see the Winnipeg Ice. So now you have these competing products for the moose from different organizations. I think that maybe is the biggest drawback in this situation.
0: And so now what they're wanting to do is build a 5,000-seat arena, and that would be kind of at the south end of the city, from what I've seen and kind of what I've heard. I think that that's... I'm not sure what I think, because it sounds like it's being built no matter what, kind of from what I've heard. Or that's the way it looks, is that they're going to be building this... Rumors. Rumors are that they're building this 5,000-seat arena. It'd be nice to have an arena like that for... The World Juniors, even though I know they want bigger arenas for the World Juniors, it'd be nice if the if they had a 5,000 seat arena for the Moose and for the Ice, and then the Bell MTS Place could just be for major concerts and for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I think that would be ideal. Make it would be nice if Bell MTS Place was a little bit bigger. You could hold because right now it holds about 15. Yeah,
1: what the smallest stadiums in the NHL?
0: Yeah, so if you could hold upwards of 20. Or 25, or I don't know what the other, what the going rate is for NHL stadiums, but if you could, or arenas, if you could hold more for Bell MTS and then have a 5,000 seat arena for this, I don't know. You personally, which would you prefer? Would you rather go see the Moose or would you rather go see the ice? I honestly don't really care. I, I just love
1: hockey. As a watching thing, I would go to either. Um, My only issue is something's got to give because I don't think Winnipeg can support it. Um, I think the thing that would give is Junior A and talking about the MJHL here.
0: Junior A is not even really. And as much as I love Junior A hockey and I do, I am a broadcaster for the Junior A Portage Terriers. Junior A has already taken so much of a hit because of the NHL. I don't think a WHL team is going to affect Junior A even more. Because basically who's coming out to Winnipeg blues games right now? Nobody. A nobody. Right. When I go there for Portage Terriers games, half the audience is from Portage and Terrier fans. You're gonna have a few like the people who are but, blues who, fans but right now. Where does
1: fan base come from? From the blues? No. Where does the fan base for the, the Winnipeg ice? ice come from? Where is it gonna come from?
0: I think it's gonna come from the
1: Moose. Is it gonna come from the Moose? Is it gonna come are you gonna get any from Steinbach? Are you gonna get any from Selkirk? Are you gonna get any from from Winnipeg that Do cheer for the Blues. Are you going to get people from Portage? Are you going to get these surrounding communities that have the MJHL teams that now, oh, I can see a better product for only 30 minutes away or for only an hour away from my house? Is that a possibility? I think it is.
0: It's going to compete a little bit with the outside markets like that. But for people who are Portage Terrier fans, you're not going to drive an hour and pay more when you can just see Junior A in town. Because right now the Moose is already taking that. So, as the, for people driving out of town to see a better product, they're already driving for the Moose and they're already driving for the Jets because the Moose ticket price is going to be comparable now with the WHL because you can't get much cheaper.
1: Right. So, so I agree with that. So that's fine. So if the MJHL is not affected, I well, don't, I don't care. So that's
0: fine. Slightly will be affected, but, but then, not. But can the
1: Winnipeg I sustain themselves then? Is the question. That's the million dollar question. Could, would they take enough from the moose? Is there enough other people? You see all the time cities that host big events repeatedly, the interest starts to fall off. And I think about the world junior championship uh, being hosted in, in Toronto or BC year after year after year. The, the dedication is down. Once you have this over and over and over when it's a novelty, you get outrageous turnout, but once it happens again and again, I think it becomes a problem. And that's going to be the exact thing in Winnipeg. If you're a, a Winnipegger, like most of our podcasts, most of the Jets fans are, what do you do? Do you buy tickets for the bombers? Do you buy tickets for the Goldeyes? Well, yeah, they're both summer sports, but if you have a, an allotment of money to, to see entertainment, does that count Jets games? Does that count Moose games already? That's already four sports leagues that you're watching. Can you fit in a fifth one because it's a junior team? There's so many other
0: things going on in Winnipeg. It's going to be tough to fit this in. I think it's going to be tough to fit it in as well. I, when you look at the numbers, how many people are going to moose games right now? 4,000? 5,000? That's probably what they're getting to an average moose game. Because they don't have the upper bowl at all. So the lower bowl you, so is not. So would you consider moving the moose for the, for the Winnipeg Ice. I heard some people talk about this. Would you then consider moving the Moose to Thunder Bay? And so then your AHL team's out there. Your WHL team is in Winnipeg. But see, the thing is... True North owns both the Moose and the Jets, and they
1: love having them in the same city. Assuming both are making money, exactly.
0: So why would they want to move their team? They would say, "No, you move your team." And that's we were here. And that's where you start getting these competing companies because they're running a business. And so then, what it comes down to, in my opinion, is production quality and family value and entertainment for your dollar, which is going to put out a better product. The AHL game or the junior game. Some people you talk to prefer watching junior hockey. It's fast paced, it's guys competing for scholarships, trying to get somewhere. Some people like the AHL because it's a family friendly entertainment. There's a little bit, a few more fights. You can see some.
1: It's a ton of fun, to be totally honest.
0: And you can see NHL prospects. When you look at the lineup, there's usually a handful of players that you recognize either former NHL players that you recognize or current guys that the Jets have drafted. And because it, the Jets are in town and it's the Moose in town, you watch the Moose because of the fact that you know the players on the team. You've seen the drafts. You recognize the player names. When it's Major Junior, you could have the best player, but he could be going to Edmonton next year. He's still a prospect. So like, There's so much of a dilemma here with which one do you go and watch. If you're only paying 15 bucks to go see the ice... Or would you rather fight with parking downtown and go pay 25 to see the Moose? Personally, I like junior hockey. I'd probably go check out a few dub games. Well,
1: especially with a new stadium, assuming it's yeah. built brand new. Everybody would love to see it. The only other issue is who's paying for the stadium. Right. Is, is the team on the hook for some of it? We know WHL teams don't make tons of money as it is. Would they be able to make payments on a stadium?
0: How does this all work? And after the honeymoon phase is over, after the first two or three years... Then what? Then what?
1: And so there's so Can many they issues compete? There's so many issues going on. Regardless, we're going to see something come to a head. There's been no official announcement as of right now if they are coming to Winnipeg, other than we know the, the purchase kind of going through. So they might decide to move it somewhere else, which Put is a possibility. Portage. But it'll be interesting to see, especially because Brandon already has it it's not going to be the only WHL team in Manitoba because then I think you might get a a larger draw because now anybody on the Western half of the province can just go see the, the wheat Kings, especially because they've been so good recently. They're a fun team to watch. So you kind of have that dilemma now within not only between the moose and the ice, but now the ice and the, and the wheat Kings as well, kind of competing for viewership. So, So many things going on. We'll just kind of wait and see to, to see what happens. I
0: know Steinbeck has talked that they want a WHL team in Steinbeck. And to me, that kind of makes sense because you got 13,000 people, you're close to Winnipeg, you can get that, but they they don't have the facility. They would need to build a rink just as much as Winnipeg would need to. And so there's a lot of, and th- that was just a complete, there's no speculation of the ice going to Steinbeck, not even maybe. This is all for Winnipeg. And I guess we'll have to wait and see how this plays out because there's still a lot of work to do with what they've got left. There's a lot of meetings, a lot of decisions that still need to be made. And we'll just kind of go from here. So that does it for the Jets Nation podcast, uh, taking a look. I think the one thing that isn't going to take a hit, though, the Winnipeg Jets, I don't think they're going to take a hit if the ice come.
1: No, they're pretty much set in stone, especially because they're performing so well, like we said. Uh, and if you've been following football, the Bombers kind of on the upswing, rough game last weekend. We could dive into Bombers, know anyway, we got a bunch <laughs> of Bombers fans, too, but uh, we'll leave that again. But the gold lies also have been performing well winnipeg is
0: a great sports city right now especially and
1: right now especially so i think the winnipeg jets aren't going anywhere for a long time Uh, i saw anaheim just re up their stadium or uh, a new deal to stay in anaheim for another 25 years so that'll take them to 2048 so i think sounds so far away it, it does sound so far away but i can see winnipeg jets Lasting a
0: long time, hopefully winning multiple Stanley Cups, creating a dynasty. I just look forward to the future. You've been listening to the Jets Nation podcast. Hit us up on our, our website, JetsNation.ca. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.